1: Welcome back, Outkick 360. I apologize that my face is not that of Jonathan Hutton's. I am Chad Withrow. I do not have a great beard. Paul Kuharsky is here with Neither me. He also Hutton. does not have a great beard. Hutton's got a pretty damn good beard. I'll have to admit. Uh, it seems to be a big attraction point for a lot of people, both male and female, out there with Jonathan Hutton. Hutton is out for the next hour, so it's the two of us. This is what you get for the Tennessee Power Hour today. Plenty to discuss in today's Power Hour, and Paul, we'll start with Vandy last night uh, with a thrilling win over Stanford, 6-5. to They win the game on a wild pitch, but the most impressive part about this was they were down to their last strike with no one on base and rallied for two runs to win the game against Stanford. Season was on the line. And they get it done. Now they've got to beat NC State twice to get to the championship. Look, series. Stanford
0: makes some mistakes, obviously, but uh, they find a way. Uh, Vaz with the walk, Spencer Jones, an improbable guy, with a well-placed infield single. They make an error on that that helps uh, helps where guys are on the bases, and then Bradfield with the RBI single that ties it. So. They tied it with just uh, an error that cost Stanford a base. Now, the, the winning play, the wild pitch, is crazy. But Vandy might have found a way to get that run in, or at least they were going to extra innings. This team, you know, has a way to, to, until their last breath, be in it. They're composed. They don't give up. We know all of these qualities of Tim Corbin's teams. And, you know, look, for me, it was a special night because I'm watching with my wife and my son. My son's 11. He's a big baseball guy, but he doesn't sit down and watch games. And he watches a ton of highlights on YouTube. This is how he consumes baseball. He'll tell me about, hey, do you ever see the game with the pine tar, with the thing? You know, and it comes to, like, George Brett's pine tar game through YouTube highlights. You know, and ask me if I saw it, like, you know, did you see that on YouTube? I'm like, no, Simon, I saw that watching on WPIX in New York City because I was a Yankee fan.
1: I was a living, breathing human. Yeah, watching that watching, watching, amazing watching baseball amazing when game. kids find that out.
0: But, um, you know, we were cheering in our house and enjoying something. And now, you know, the idea that they have to beat NC State twice with Kumar Rocker and presumably Al Lighter on short rest back to back, what what bet you know you want to only have to win one, but if you have to win two, who's in better shape than Vanderbilt with the two stud best one-two punch in college baseball pitching? For coming out of the losers bracket, you can't be in better position,
1: can you? Well, here's the great thing about Vandy and the state of their program: you expect them to win games like this. You expect them to find a way. That didn't surprise me last night.
0: Stanford played When they found a way. Well.
1: Now, Stanford screwed it up. I think it's every bit as much as Stanford screwing things up in that inning as, as it was Vandy winning. But that's what great teams have happened to them. They get lucky at they times. Find a way. They keep playing, and they find a way. Alabama has been lucky over the years. Clemson gets lucky. Ohio State gets lucky if we're comparing it to football. The great programs get lucky. And I'm using air quotes when I say that, but really it's just being great and continuing to play. And Vandy wins that game. And I still believe they are the favorite to win the national championship. They've got, like you said, rocker and lighter. I think they're going to beat NC State twice. I think they're going to win against whoever they get to. I thought they were the favorite coming in. I thought they were the best team. And that is a credit to that program that they are that big of winners in that program that you just expect good things to happen to them. So Last night didn't surprise me. Now, one criticism I will have on the college baseball front, I saw a lot of this on social media. Boy, you just can't beat college baseball. And it's a video of the dude throwing the worst pitch I've ever seen in my life. It's like they told the kid from Stanford, don't throw it away. No wild pitches, no wild pitches. It's like you tell your kid, don't do this. Don't touch that pole. Don't touch that pole. Don't do this. And they do it. That That's what it looked like. It was the worst pitch I've ever seen, and people were hyping it up like, this is why we come to watch college baseball. And I'm thinking,
2: For a pass, so a team a can game. win
1: on not just a bad breaking ball that goes in the dirt. That was some sort of attempted pitch that went about seven
0: feet over the catcher's head. Yeah, you don't see one like that very often. He's throwing at the, presumably a curveball and just loses it off his finger on the top, right? Where... Uh, I don't know. I have not seen many pass balls at any level. He needs some spider tack. But look, the fact of the matter is, you know, I'm reminded last night college baseball is just very far off of of the big boy game, and it's still won a lot on mistakes, right? Baseball is a game of mistakes. At the major league level, even it's one on mistakes. There are fewer mistakes, they're smaller mistakes. But at the college level it's won a lot on, on mistakes. Now that's a big giant mistake. But again, they tied it pretty cleanly and pretty impressively. And I was confident they're gonna win it. If they win two, if they win Friday, Saturday on Rocker and Lighter, how much rest do they have after that? That's where it's a problem because if they get into it's best of three It's then. Monday.
1: They would start Monday.
0: Then they're going to have tired pitching, and they, that's where they're at a disadvantage. Particularly if the other side comes in not having used their pitching. If the Mississippi
1: State wins in their first attempt as the two and O team, not having used on the other an side, extra they would be at a disadvantage because you would see an ace or second pitcher opener. from Mississippi State a good chance to go up 1-0. If you're the team playing Vandy, in and that, then you're the going to see
0: Rocker and Lighter on short rest. How do they do on that? Well, Very intriguing, though. And again, this is no
1: knock at Vandy, Vandy. Great win, thrilling win. You're right, getting the game tied, uh, remarkable for Vandy with two strikes. I would just say, I wouldn't hype the wild pitch up as a reason to sell college baseball to people. No, that was a bad moment for Stanford. It was thrilling, great win for Vandy. They move on, they survive. Someone moving on but not surviving is Caden Salter at Tennessee. Four-star quarterback from Texas. He's never going to take a snap for Tennessee. Got in trouble twice with the law. Once, uh, he's been in campus since January, and that's it. Got in trouble in a dorm incident, and uh, over the past weekend gets pulled over, cited for misdemeanor possession, marijuana, paraphernalia, two strikes, and he is out before he ever takes a snap. He was officially clear to be back on the roster and with the team on June 1st, and within the month, he is now kicked off the team, out of the program, he's gone. So, Paul, a big story for Tennessee, because this was the guy that a lot of people were pinning their hopes on and looking at him, saying, this could be a perfect fit for that Josh Heupel offense, he's never going to see a snap at Tennessee.
0: Yeah, and last year, he was... The guy you heard, oh well, w- wait until Cadence Alter comes around. This is going to be the big-time quarterback you've been waiting on while you've been enduring, uh, you know, this inconsistent quarterback play that never has rounded into shape. Now I understand they've got other guys who are potential solutions now, but I heard that name so much. That's the name I got excited about and was eager to see. And now, poof. It didn't take uh, much for him to get in trouble twice and, and be gone. He'll resurface somewhere in Texas, um, and maybe we'll see him do something there. It's just funny to me that he was the, the promise held out there. Just wait. Wait for this, and now this is gone. Well,
1: he was the promise for Jim Cheney and, and uh, Jeremy mm-hmm. Pruitt. He was their guy. I don't know what Josh Heupel and company thought about Caden Salter. Um, they thought enough of him now to kick him off the team after two arrests. And I'll say this also. It's a point I brought up before, probably a very unpopular opinion with people. But I don't see a lot of mar- misdemeanor marijuana possession citations at other SEC schools, in other SEC cities. Th- th- that is an issue that Tennessee has to figure out. Should he be in a car with marijuana and paraphernalia at 3 a.m. with a broken light? No, especially if he's had an incident. But are we seeing local police departments arresting football players at this rate at other places? Do we truly believe that other SEC football players aren't riding around at 3 a.m. at times with marijuana on them? And maybe they've been pulled over and maybe those cops reach out to the coaches before issuing a citation and arresting them for these things? That has been an issue at Tennessee, granted by their own doing in a lot of ways, But this is an issue that doesn't happen with other SEC programs that Tennessee and the Knoxville PD and campus police, I think, need to figure out when it's something like this. If it's a domestic abuse charge, if it's someone out being a menace on campus or off, that's different from a citation for a substance that is legal recreationally in other states in this country.
0: Do we think they care as much about Caden Salter as they care about some other people? That, that's my question, right? Is, is the list, is there a list of do not touch or we hope you don't touch and we'd be fine? Uh, you know, uh, how many guys are like on like a protected roster? list. Yeah, here's the protected list of the top 45 and here's the, you know, and after that, you do what you need to do.
1: It's a great question. I mean, I'm sure that uh, certain places may have that. I think also you just, I mean, you hear stories about this all the time. A lot of police departments are in sync with the local athletic departments and it's like a call to your parents. You know, you grow up in a, this is not uncommon. The people who've grown up in a small town, there might be a local cop that knows your family uh, that, that would call your parents if you're out at a kegger and you're too drunk instead of taking you in and arresting you the moment it happens. This happens a lot. I think there needs to be a family moment where you know the family, and the family is University of Tennessee Athletics. If you're the local law enforcement, that is the case on other SEC campuses, I think, not the case in Knoxville.
0: I think that also comes in part from uh, being a bigger town, right? Yep. If you're strictly a college town, it's probably more of an allowance. And if you're a, um, a city like Knoxville that's bigger, there's less. If you're Nashville, there's really less. If you're in Nashville, the the police are much less likely to know a Vanderbilt football player, and they shouldn't. If you're in Knoxville, they know, but maybe not to the degree. If you're in uh, Oxford, that they know.
1: And let me be clear, I'm not uh, I'm not endorsing, you know, going all Urban Meyer at Florida and sweeping, uh, shooting an assault rifle into a crowd under the rug, or domestic abuse or rape or awful things like this. My point is. Caden Salter, yes, second offense, yes, he's being very dumb and young, and he probably deserved to get dismissed from the team. He's getting dismissed for misdemeanor marijuana possession. Um, that's probably something that the police. Now he may have been kicked off either way. They may have not arrested him and called Josh Heupel in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. and said that and he's like, you know what, you're not learning your lesson, you're gone. We'll take a chance to another quarterback. That may have been the case also. There just needs to be some cooperation. A couple other notes to get into before we get into some big topics in this Tennessee Power Hour. Keon Johnson, Tennessee basketball player, getting ready for the NBA draft. 48-and-a-half-inch vertical breaks the NBA draft combine record by two inches. I think this is a notable story because I saw that's pretty cool that of all the great jumpers in the NBA, Keon Johnson breaks the vertical leap record. But breaks it by two inches is impressive.
0: Was this video in slow motion?
1: Um, you want to watch the video of him doing it? Yeah, I haven't I, seen I the did. video. Okay. When
0: you watch a guy jump to hit the um, whatever they call it, the, the things that you it's move it's like the
1: movable bars. The movable
0: bars. When you watch a guy jump his vertical to do that at the NFL combine, at the NBA uh, combine. It's so much more impressive than seeing a guy dunk or seeing a guy go up to catch or deflect a pass. It's just a different thing, and it looks so much higher. Um, Yeah. This is incredible to watch him jump this as compared to watching him jump in a game. Um, And uh, certainly it, it scores him major points with the people who are scouting him. It has to.
1: So some bad news with Tennessee with Caden Salter being dismissed. Some good news for Tennessee, possibly. Story from Glenn Gilbo, who is the LSU beat writer for the USA Today Network. He is reporting that finalists for the LSU baseball job are Arizona's Jay Johnson, East Carolina's Cliff Godwin, and Notre Dame's Link Jarrett. Why is that notable? Because of what we talked about yesterday, Paul. Tony Vitello, the whole topic we based around Tennessee's attempt to keep him, if this list is true and these are the three finalists, great news for Tennessee that either Vitello, you know, asked to, they asked to speak with him and he passed because of what he's got going on with Tennessee or he was never a finalist to begin with. Either way, good news that it looks like Tennessee will keep Tony Vitello.
0: Yeah, he's off the list. Uh, we talked about this yesterday and this story came out right after we finished talking about it. I think I heard somewhere that there's still rumblings from somebody else that, uh, that they're waiting on still to, to even make a play on, uh, on Corbin. But uh, th- this guy who put out this report has covered them forever and would seem to me to be uh, as authoritative on this as anybody's going to be. It is interesting.
1: They listed uh, three coaches that aren't uh, – one of them was in the College World Series, but three guys, Notre Dame and East Carolina, made it to the Super Regionals three guys that aren't currently coaching. Tony Vitello was just dismissed from the tournament yesterday. Um, You don't get completely comfortable if you're a Tennessee fan until LSU names a coach, obviously, but that's encouraging news uh, in that report. Big news for this show. You've been asking for it. We've been talking about it. We've been wanting to connect with our audience more. We've done so with things like primary complaint and your chance to chip in on that we can do so starting now on the phones. That is right, if you're watching, you can see it on the bottom of the screen, I will tell you, 855-208-8806. You can call in right now and we've got two big questions for you. Paul, we pride ourselves on these summertime big topic discussions. We're gonna do two of those this hour. Starting with the Titans, the question, we've talked about a lot of the good things the Titans have done, and they've done a lot of good things this offseason. What have the Titans neglected this offseason? That is a broad question that could be a position group, could be something off the field, could be something with fan relations, could be any number of things. What have the Titans neglected this offseason? 855-208-8806. Vol's question that we have for you. I think this is a pretty simple one. Separate of win-loss record. Don't just call in with a win total for this year. Separate of a win-loss record. What is a tangible proof of progress that you want to see from Josh Heipel in year one? I threw this question out on Twitter earlier. Peter Burns from SEC Network chimed in and said, I don't think it's a win total as much as it's a point total. People lose their mind over Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss last year. Truth was their offense was fun to watch. The team wasn't great. I couldn't agree more with Peter. He is spot on with this assessment. It is about a fun factor and a point total for Tennessee. We got a lot of great responses that we'll go through on Twitter with that. We'll read you some of those. Paul, you and I also, when we come back, we'll give our answers to both these questions. Would love to hear from you though. 855-208-8806. We will discuss our answers to these two questions. We will take some of your calls. That's all coming up next. This is OutKick 360. We are back. It is the Tennessee Power Hour on OutKick 360. Chad Withrow, Paul Kuharski with you, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Sarah Triplett, David Reed. It takes a village every single day, and we appreciate everyone that works on behalf of this show. Exciting moment. Exciting moment in show history, Paul. You are right. Uh, Our first callers in show history. If you're watching, you can see it on the screen. If not, I will tell you. Phone number to call in, 855-208-8806. We threw out two big questions for this Tennessee Power Hour. One, Titans related. What did the Titans neglect this offseason? You can call us with your answer to that. Or, You can answer our Tennessee Vols question. Separate of a specific win total, what do you want to see as a sign of progress for Josh Heupel in year one? 855-208-8806 if you want to call in. And, Paul, it's a big moment because for the first time in show history, we can welcome in our first caller. And that caller happens to be Isaiah in Indy. Isaiah... Welcome in. You're on Outkick 360.
2: Oh, my God. This is like a fresh glass of water. I've been waiting to talk to you guys for so long. First off, round of applause. You guys are killing it. What a wonderful job. Whoever was dumb enough to let you go, they lost out. But I'm so glad you guys the phone lines up and i waiting on this day. This is like Christmas to me, baby. I can just talk to the boys again. <laughs> oh, let's go. <laughs> He's not feeling energized today. Let's go. The cook chat. Real quick, just a small issue with the question you have bestowed upon us. Titans neglect. What? They don't neglect. What have we neglected? We've got hit by COVID. We had to let some people go. We've done what we had to do. We promoted Sertzer, who doesn't drop a lot of balls, might I add. We got those few tight ends who are a, an extra blocker on, on the – well, one tight end for sure. That's a good extra blocker on, on, on the end. Do we – and we, we got Julio. Did we really, – uh, whether we lucked into him, whether they planned it all along, did we really neglect? No. We 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 merely added. We we nurtured our child. That's what the Titans did. They nurtured. <laughs> not neglected. Nurtured. You're you're a big Tucker McCann guy. Nurture. do will call Steven Kachowski two two weeks two weeks before the season starts, we'll be fine. I'm not but I'm not I'm not so I'm not so so on, on on the kicker the kicker position i know it's big i know we had trouble i know though the, there's been games where they, they couldn't put us in the playoff <clears throat> and uh, there, i know there's been times where we missed game winners but i'm with the team that we have kicker is just an asterisk it's just an extra it's just it's, it's just another position that's there. I mean, do we need them? I'm not, no, Now I'm not neglecting the kicker. I'm not neglecting. I'm not, no, I'm not a big Tucker McCann, but I'm sure they'll get that position right later in the training camp.
1: Isaiah, thank you we for have... your call. Th- let's, Isaiah, thank okay, you for great your call. That you. was terrific. Um, no neglect. I'm, I'm glad that Isaiah was the first call. I will say, Paul, to recap our first call, very daring of Isaiah to go into an audio routine of him drinking water and gurgling with the first call? Yeah. Because we immediately are looking at each other like, oh, it doesn't work because the sounds he was making, that was just him doing a routine of drinking water, getting ready for his first call. No surprise that Isaiah has no issues with the Titans this offseason. They accomplished everything that they wanted.
0: They go, oh, yeah, well, I'm not really a Tucker McCann guy. but Yeah. It's just what he say. It's just another position. Yeah, it's just another position. Just (laughs) an
1: asterisk, just a position. No, nothing to see here with the Titans. But, Paul, the reality is the eight, Titans eight, have neglected something.
0: Yes, 855-208-8806 if you want to be next. Your answer to the Titans Yeah, let's, let's
1: keep this going. If you have an actual answer, not that the Titans didn't neglect a thing, or you want to answer the question about Tennessee and Josh Heupel, what do you want to see in your one? 855-208-8806. No
0: gargling allowed.
1: Paul, I'm glad you brought up uh, Tucker McCann. It's kicker. And this is something that you harped on. Not a lot of people were harping on it, but you talked about it with this team. They've been very cavalier in the past about kicker. I think they're being very cavalier about kicker again. And Isaiah just said it. This whole concept of, we'll just sign Steven Gotzkowski in training camp. I mean, I'm sure he's staying with it. I'm sure he's still together and working out all the time and doing what he needs. If that's the case, why is he not already on the roster? Why is he not on? I think it's weird that you just wait to see if these guys can work out and then say you're going to hire Steven Goskowski later.
0: I think it's kicker. Yeah, it's nonchalant. There are multiple answers here. Kicker is certainly one of them. I think you can address a position and still neglect it by not addressing it sufficiently. And I'm going to hammer home old, reliable outside linebacker because Bud Dupree is not going to be Bud Dupree at the beginning of the season. And you've got Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. And the, the next guy you're counting on there is Rashad Weaver, who's a fifth-round draft pick. Now, Rashad Weaver could be good. Rashad Weaver should be better than everybody else that's on the roster there. But you still do not have enough. And I don't know why they are convinced that a fifth-round draft pick as the third guy, um, when, when you've got your number one guy, who might not be himself all season really, and might not be on the field opening day, is is sufficient. Overwhelm us with outside linebackers at a position that has been insufficient. Show us how serious you are about rushing and altering and, dare I say, hitting and sacking the quarterback after this ridiculous drought and trouble that you've had. Overwhelm us and, and spend more resources. You could have had Ryan Kerrigan there were other people that could have been a good third with Rashad Weaver conceivably being your fourth and having time to develop. I think Rashad Weaver needs time to develop. Plus he's got this court case hanging over.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, by the way, there's a lot of love for Lebowski, Mr. Lebowski to be the next caller. A lot of people want him to be the first caller. Now they want him to be the next caller. So maybe we'll hear from Mr. Lebowski. If you want to call and answer these questions, 855-208-8806 is the number. Uh, Going to the Vols question, and this got a huge response on Twitter. And a lot of it, I'll kind of sum it up with this. A lot of people are saying some similar things in different ways. But it boils down to points. Offense, fun. That's what Tennessee fans want to see. If you hire an offensive coach that has done good things on the offensive side of the ball throughout his career, what you want to see is offense and fun. It's always funny to me, Paul, the reverse of the previous hire that didn't work out is what people want, right? Because when Jeremy Pruitt got here, it was no cliches, uh, discipline, defense, business-like approach with the team. You got some of that under Jeremy Pruitt, and now because of reports coming out that no one was having fun and uh, football was a, a job and a chore to everyone on this team, you're hearing a lot more. I want to have fun on Saturdays. I want these kids to have fun. I want to see an offense that scores points. I think ultimately a functional offense that I think the Lane Kiffin season that Peter Burns brought up is a good, is a good example. That's the dream scenario for Tennessee in year one or Josh. Temple. score a ton of points. Put a scare into one of those big three on your schedule, Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Win the games you should absolutely win. Win a couple of SEC games, two or three, certain people are saying, I just want to beat Kentucky and Vandy, or I just want to win the games that they should win and beat Vandy. As specific games to win, you don't want to see the enormous letdown, but overall, Paul, to me, I think it's a quality of offense, of play calling, of of game management on the offensive side that I want to see from Josh Eichel.
0: I don't think they're beating Florida, Georgia, or no. Alabama. Right? And I'm
1: saying just put a scare in them. No, the, be I, understand. Competitive.
0: I understand. What I want is an upset along the way. Now, I don't know who that's going to be because I don't know how Pitt's going to be. I don't know how Missouri's going to be, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Kentucky even, right? Or, or even Vanderbilt with, with Clark Lee. But, um, you know, we have a sense of Vanderbilt Kentucky, say. But one of these teams is going to be better than you think, and we don't know how good UT is going to be. But coming into the week, the point spread on one of these games and the, the trend for one of those SEC opponents and the trend for Tennessee is going to be they're not going to win this week. And they're going to be a 6-point, a 7-point, an 8-point dog. I want them to well, surprise based, in one of yeah, those
1: weeks. Based on projections, the two teams they're better than on their schedule is Vandy in South Carolina? Okay, that those are the two. They'll be favored, and then there's some toss-up right. type games on the schedule also. But those are the two that you probably would go into it saying they should win.
0: All right, but I'm not going to call the game now. I'm going to say based on the flow of the season, I want them to win a game that nobody thinks that they're going to win. That you have a bad feeling about this week, you know where it came to the point with Pruitt that you knew it wasn't going to happen. I want them to, uh, to show up with a game plan but that's... and surprise you and outscore them and play good defense on a week where you thought, ah, based on last week, I don't have a very good feeling about them.
1: That's where I think it can be a little bit deceiving, though, because Jeremy Pruitt had two top 20 upsets in year one. He beat Auburn on the road right. as a top 15 team. He destroyed Kentucky as I think a top 10 team at the time. I'm they were talking about recent
0: as opposed to...
1: Right, and then they had the awful start, starting with the loss to Georgia State in year two, and they went on that big run at the end of the season in year two, and then it all fell apart after a 2-0 and start this year. We all know the story. People are saying, you know, no more NCAA problems, no more guys getting arrested. There's a lot of different answers uh, to the question on Hypel, but I think this is a clear indication, Paul, of where this program is. No one is saying seven or eight wins. Even though I think the Vegas over under is right around six, you know, getting bowl eligible, no one is saying seven or eight or beating Florida, Georgia, Alabama. That's where the expectations are for Tennessee. Again, I just think it's really simple. Just devise a game plan that works with a quarterback. There are going to be multiple quarterbacks in there for Tennessee this year. If Harrison Bailey's in the game, devise a game plan for Harrison Bailey. If it's Joe Milton with a different skill set, devise a game plan for Joe Milton. Be quarterback friendly. That's what I want to see offensively more than anything else. I think another good example, by the way, for the Titans that we're seeing a lot on Twitter, tight end As, yeah. in terms of something that's been neglected. I think that's but a something that may be remedied before it's all of a sudden done.
0: Yeah, I don't know that it'll be remedied before training camp. I think it could be remedied. At the end of training camp, particularly if they don't feel like uh, what they've got is doing it, if Miller Forrestall or the Kansas State kid don't don't step forward to really make them feel comfortable, but I think they might be okay with the group they have if they feel like a third emerges.
1: Paul, we took, it only took us two calls to go out of the country uh, for our next call. We Sweet. have gone. We have officially gone international on OutKick three hundred and sixty. Ethan from Ontario, who had a great primary complaint yesterday about body spray and the overuse of body spray. He is on the phone right now. Ethan, welcome in. You're on Outkick 360. Go
2: ahead. Maybe we don't have Ethan.
1: We'll try again. Again, first time. First time. We're working through it. First international call, also yeah. the Canadian which, uh, phone lines are Which brings up a lot of different things. You know, maybe there's too much ma- maple syrup in his phone. I don't know what other issues. You know, be Jacob's going on with Canadians.
0: practically Canadian from the part of the maybe country Maybe he's he so comes
1: polite. From. Canadians are so polite. He's just so polite. He doesn't even he doesn't speak want to say hello when spoken to. Not only does he not speak up and say something before he's supposed to. Even when we address him and speak to him, he doesn't speak. Maybe that's the case, too. I like
0: our neighbors to the north very much. I'm a fan of Canada. They've got, I think, the best national anthem. I listen to the national anthems at Euros, and uh, th- some of them have some majesty to them, but some of them really shouldn't be. All right, here's what we're going to do.
1: We'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and then we'll get with Ethan in Ontario on his call. Again, two big questions we threw out there. One on the Titans for our Tennessee Power Hour. What is something the Titans neglected this offseason? We've talked about a lot of the good with the Titans. There's a lot there. Julio Jones, the biggest one. What have they neglected this offseason? And two, separate of a win total, what do you want to see from Josh Heupel in year one that shows progress? This is Outkick 360. We'll be right back. We are back, Outkick 360. Chad Withrow, Paul Kuharski with you, Jonathan Hutton, stepped away for this hour. He'll be back with us tomorrow. I know that Lance and Jacob are the big animated guys. Uh, when I say animated, I, I mean they're into animation and animated movies and shows. I think it was maybe South Park the movie that featured the song Blame Canada. I could be completely wrong. Same it is, it is Blame Canada. So this reference makes perfect sense. Blame Canada on Ethan in Ontario not being able to connect with the show. Apparently, Zoom and the call-ins, it doesn't stretch outside the borders of the United States. We'll try to get that fixed. If you're in the U.S. and would like to call anywhere in the uh, Continental 48, give us a call right now, 855-208-8806. Two big questions. One, what have the Titans neglected this offseason? Two, separate of a win total, what do you want to see from Josh Heupel in year one to show progress. 855-208-8806 if you wanna call in. we got a few minutes left here on the show. One well.
0: popular answer, Chad, to the Titans question has been uh, backup quarterback. And I- I'll agree, I mean, they, they didn't address it. I, I think they like uh, Logan Woodside, um, and-, and we still haven't seen him. Look, I know he hasn't done anything, right? They've invested a lot of time in developing him and getting him ready, I, over the course of time, have come to a point where I've said, hey, an unknown commodity at backup quarterback could have some upside that you don't know as compared to guys that they've had like Matt Castle and uh, Blaine Gabbert, who we know suck. The career right? veteran backup. Uh, who we know suck. Like, And they won some games with Gabbert, but they were very game-plan oriented, like, avoid at all costs, asking him to do anything and win despite him. So the other thing is, look, the best best backup quarterbacks that were on the market, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to start in Washington. Andy Dalton may start in Chicago. They're both in much better situations in terms of chances to start. Terod Taylor is going to start in Houston. C.J. Beathard, got $5 million in Jacksonville. uh, uh, Those first two, Fitzpatrick and Dalton, got $10 million. Uh, Titans can't give a backup quarterback $10 million. Jacoby Brissett in Miami got $5 million. Can the Titans, with their cap situation, be paying $5 million to a guy who they're screwed if he's in the lineup for any duration of time? So I understand, yes, it's unaddressed, but I I don't think it's something in the realm of what they can do. And ask, that guy's not better than the guy I, I
1: want to ask you about Deshaun Kaiser at, at some point. But also, the idea that a backup quarterback in the NFL needs to be a good helper of the starting quarterback, locker room guy, good in the meeting room, the veteran presence, the Blaine Gabbard, the Matt Castle. Not now. Moving past that, though, with the Titans or any team in the NFL that has that mindset, to do you have a guy as a backup that if your starter goes down for four games, you can split? I'm not asking the backup to be the start. There are no, I mean, it's hard to find a great backup quarterback that there's no big drop-off when they come in. The key question to me, Paul, is if Ryan Tannehill was out for four games, do the Titans have a backup good enough to split with their roster, depending on the games? Which four out. games?
0: That's, that's the Yeah, I, but right. I'm
1: just in, in general, just can you tread water with the backup quarterback?
0: We don't know. We don't know. We'll we'll get a better sense. We'll see uh, Logan in the preseason in in three games. I don't think Kaiser's going to overtake him. I think that's people being overly optimistic about about Kaiser. I mean, uh, you know, they they let – who was it that they let go for Kaiser? And they had a lot of time invested in him when they brought him in last year. Trevor Simeon, and they were excited about – everyone was excited about Trevor Simeon. Oh, he's definitely going to be better than Woodside, and he won't not only wasn't better, they didn't put up a fight and, and let him go, right? He was an unprotected practice squad player when they could protect three guys a week. So, you know, they didn't have value in Trevor Simeon, and they thought, well, Kaiser could replace Trevor Simeon without much, much problem. So I think you just got to say, you know, if Tannehill goes down, you're, you're screwed. You become really even more Derrick Henry-centric, and they think that Woodside will be able to get the ball. To, to those receivers to a decent degree. The defense will have to step it up and everybody will have to step it up. You're not going to be quarterback-reliant.
1: Well, I know we're in the Tennessee Power Hour, but I had to bring up this story. Uh, it's one we talked about before the show. Jay Williams, ESPN NBA analyst, tweets yesterday, retweets Adrian Wojnarowski that says the Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant M.A. Adoka as the franchise's new coach. Jay Williams retweets that and says the first head coach of color for the Celtics. And even more importantly, he is one talented, talented individual who has paid his dues. Nothing wrong with that tweet, except for the fact that he is the fifth coach of color for the Boston Celtics. Now, Jay Williams took a very dumb mistake that could have been solved by a simple Google search, or as an NBA analyst, knowing a little bit about the history of the NBA, more so than tweeting that, He took that issue and made it much worse by claiming his Twitter account was hacked. And that somehow, Paul, the hackers decided to tweet a false claim. Of all things. Of all things. And I've seen the breakdown. If you look at the tweet, it's spoken in Jay Williams' voice. Even with the emojis that he used. He's used before in the past. This is a ridiculous response to an awful tweet.
0: Look, this is an epidemic in... uh not social media, social media and and reporting and analysis and commentary for people in the media who refuse to say they're wrong. Look, he tweeted that out probably pretty quickly, unthinkingly. All right, it's a forgivable mistake. The follow-up tweet, if you want to delete it, if you discover it pretty quickly, delete it and tweet. Hey, dumb mistake by, be self-deprecating, number one thing. Dumb mistake by me, Uh, actually the fifth coach of color, Uh, sorry for the disrespect to uh, Bill Russell and Casey Jones and and Doc Rivers and, uh, you know, how could I have forgotten these guys? Really bad mistake. You put it to bed pretty quickly if you do that. So few people are willing to do that. I do not understand why it has completely disappeared from the American sport reporting and analytical consciousness to just have that simple, natural, human reaction. To say, I made a mistake, I was wrong, here's a quick fix. Instead of coming up with some grand scheme where we know the lie is always worse than the offense. There's nothing nefarious about what he did. He wasn't up to some evil plot. He was stupid. It's embarrassing to be stupid. The, fa- the best thing to do when you're stupid is get smart. Quickly.
1: Well, and the, uh, this story's up at OutKick for those that want to read it right now, and you can read more about it. The tweet that followed it says, as it relates to the Boston Celtics tweet that came from my account a couple of hours ago, I did not post that, and my passcode has now been changed, was what he said. Idiot. This is not a story that's written about or talked about. If the response is just a joke, maybe like, "Hey, my bad. Sorry about that. Should I could have used Google at the time? Didn't do it. Or maybe I like this coach so much, I let my emotions get carried away and gave something that's not a fact. Congrats, to the Celtics on hiring. There's so many ways you could have handled this, where it would have gone away.
2: This is not, but, Paul. It's not
1: ways. even. It's not just the um, people's. Uh, inability to say, you know, I was wrong about this. My bad. My bad on that, got my facts mixed up. I talked about this with people historically responding to my tweet with historic inaccuracies and trying to correct me, and then when I correct them, they disappear or they change the subject. They go on, well, you know, there was also about, just say my bad on that and also understand that when you admit I was dumb on this or I screwed this up, It's not you admitting that everyone that's correcting you is right about everything. We are so dug in that an admission of this guy or girl that I disagree with told me I was wrong on this and made fun of me, so I'm not even going to come back and admit that I was wrong on it. Instead, I'm going to dig in because if I admitted I was wrong on that, I'm admitting they're right on everything and I'm wrong on everything. It's all or nothing. In this country, it shouldn't be. One item. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And it's
0: one item. I would have so much more respect
1: for Jay Williams if you just came back with a joke saying how dumb it was, or say, "Oh, I meant fifth on the coach of the Celtics." Congrats on the Celtics for hiring a fifth coach of color, and this is a great one. So many ways he could have diffused this instead of going back to the "my account was hacked" excuse.
0: Which cre- is ridiculous. I, and, and I will say it creates a ridiculous degree of venom. I mean, it's really stupid. Um, but it's really stupid. There's, there's nothing vindictive uh, about him being stupid. It's stupid.
1: No. Yeah, there's nothing vindic- vindictive about it. It's just dumb. The vindictive part is coming back and saying you were hacked, which you shouldn't have done. Um, before we uh, sign off today, Jacob, I want to put your... Uh, parlay up there one more time if oh, we can yeah. uh, with FanDuel. If because you want money. We want to show the people out there that are watching right now, we want to show you why we are all in on the Toronto Blue Jays and the Baltimore Orioles tonight. Jacob hit on a massive parlay last night, six-leg parlay. We have a seven-leg parlay for you. Please zoom in just a little bit if you can so I can, I can read that. While well, my eyes are okay, they're not great. Vlad Jr. getting a hit. Bo Bichette getting a hit. Trey Mancini getting a hit. Marcus Simeon with a hit. Teoscar Hernandez with a hit. Blue Jays money line over 10 and a half runs. We are all in on a Blue Jays win tonight. Canada screwed us earlier with a call. Messed up our phone system. Canada will repay that debt this evening with the Toronto Blue Jays. Canada's team in Major League Baseball paying it back with a lot of runs. And a win tonight, and getting us uh, to two and zero under Jacob Swanson on that par line. Do you like I, it, Paul? I,
0: I like it a lot, but I always fear, you know, crashing and burning.
1: Paul, uh, something else that you fear: stupidity of people out there, yeah. and a message and listen, that you have the, the people, as we
0: sign off every day. Look, people are idiots. It's it's one of the things I live by. They're they're idiots nowhere more than on the road. They like to block the box. If there are two traffic lights, okay. If you pull into this intersection and there's no room to get out of this intersection and the light changes, what are you doing? This person now and this person can't go through the intersection. That's called blocking the box. Don't do it. Do not block the box. Also, that's too big. Thank you. Do not block the box and also lock the locks.